Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Uh, if you guys want to go ahead and get prepared, we're going right back into Matthew 5. As you know, last week we took a week off as we talked about vision, uh, Vision Sunday, but we're going back into the life of Christ, back into the Sermon of the Mount. Uh, and just to remind you where we were at two weeks ago, um, Jesus has just shared with us about the fulfillment of the law. And we looked at what does that mean, to not have the law abolished, but to have it fulfilled, how to discern that, how to uh, be able to identify that into your own life. Uh, and so at this point, Jesus is now going to give us examples of what that looks like now with the fulfillment of the law, the heart and the passion behind the law and what he was trying to teach us all along. And so he's going to go through several different topics that we will look at, such as uh, lust and divorce and all kinds of fun th things. But today we're going to start out with, spoiler alert, anger. Um, and so I think it's a good one for us to start with because if you look at the statistics, there's some interesting things that we can learn about anger. Maybe we don't even talk about it enough because uh, you might not know this, but 100% of people deal with anger. All of us. We're all in the same boat. Now, we might deal with it in different ways. It might look different ways. You might be somebody who has a really good handle on the handle, uh, how you handle your anger. It might be that you're somebody that flies off the handle. How many people know somebody that uh, has anger issues, flying off the anger? Okay. So, yeah, we're pretty much all in the same boat there. How many have anger? No, no I'm just kidding. I don't want to make you mad at me. Um, the, uh, and then there's also people that hold it in, and then it builds up, and you end up having problems from that aspect, too. So there's a lot of different ways that we can handle it. And then on top of that, there's righteous anger and there's un unrighteous anger. There, there, I mean, the reason you and I have anger is because we're made in God's image. And God, one of his emotions is anger. But he has righteous anger. When we see an injustice, when we see someone being... Uh, bullied, when we see something not right happen, there should be an unrighteous anger that we handle biblically that draws us closer to God. But the problem is most of us are still struggling with unrighteous anger that leads us away from God, depending on how we deal with it. So if someone is struggling with how they deal with their anger, no matter what that looks like, whether it be keeping it in or le leasing it out too much, um, then it's a big deal. It's a big issue. It impacts a lot of us. And then it packs a lot of people around us. Um, and it is something that really, like many things, getting some help is a good thing. Uh, going back to statistics, 84% of people believe if someone has anger issues, they should get help. Um, I think that's weird because I want to talk to the other 16% that think, nah. <laughs> Such a weird, weird statistic. So may, maybe you're in that boat. I'm not. I do think it's something that needs to be addressed. I do think it's something that we need help with. I do think it's something we deal with as community and as families and the relationships. And I do think it's something that, that we should be able to help each other with. However, only 13% of those who say that they deal with anger issues have ever asked for any help, any help when it comes to it. It might be because of pride. Matter of fact, probably almost all of these come to, back to pride. Like, oh, you know, I know I blow up sometimes, but I can do better. I haven't been able to do better for the last 33 years, but all of a sudden today, you know, there, there's, there's something about our pride. Maybe it's a, a stigmatism or a stereotype that if you ask for help, 
Uh, it's kind of like when we did the mental health series as we continue uh, to focus in on loving each other and helping each other with all our uniquenesses. Maybe it's we think that I'm weak if I ask for help or is there something we just need to get that crap out of the way. Uh, I'm convinced some people don't ask for help because they like being angry. I really do. I mean, I, I've met some people, and then when you raise your hand, you might be thinking somebody too, that they just feel better when they release their anger and just emotionally throw up all over you. Um, and then they stand there with you with their emotional word vomit all over you. They're like, what are you upset about? All, I, all it was was words. I was just expressing myself. Ha, ha, ha. And you're like, bleh. And sometimes it's to cover insecurity. Sometimes it's to cover passive. I mean, anger really is a big topic, whether it impacts you personally or whether it impacts others. And so again, Jesus knows that, and I think that's one of the reasons why he chose this to be his first example of the fulfillment of the law. So since we're in Matthew 5, we're going to start out in verse 21. Uh, we're going to break this into three segments, and again, just like usual, talk a little, and after we read a little, I messed up my own line. You'll be okay, I promise. Verse 21. Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be liable to the council. And whoever says, You fool, or some of you might see the word waka there, uh, will be liable to the hell of fire. So starting out, I think he really kind of addresses something that most of us do. And this is definitely very common when it came to people trying to live by the law. And again, I think still today, is we tend to think like children, what's the most I can get away with before it's a sin? You know what I mean? Like, how far do, can, can I, I go? And for a lot of people, before this statement, it's, well, you know, yeah, I think the guy's a joke. I can't stand that guy, and I cuss about him behind his back. But I, I didn't pick up a stone and smash him over the head. You know, it was just like, how far can I get to motor and not actually do it, not actually sin? And Jesus says, yeah, let's talk about that. Because we're talking about heart issues. We're talking about the heart behind the law. And I tell you, that if you take and are angry at your brother or your sister, you get judgment, just like you do if you murder somebody and do judgment. Now, that doesn't mean, well, if the punishment's the same, might as well knock off my, you know, <laughs> don't murder anybody. Don't go home to put us on 2020. I don't need that in my life at all, because I will talk about you. But the, uh, it, it, it's an impossible case to make when it comes to biblical, but he's trying to, to toil us up and see a point that the anger behind it is really the sin. If you look back at like Saul and David, if we're going back in the, the Old Testament, again, if you're not familiar, Saul was the first king of the Israelites. They wanted a king. God said, no, you don't need a king. We want a king. You don't need a king. We want a king. Fine. Here's a king. And so he is ordained, and because he doesn't follow God correctly, uh, he does get his hand taken off of him. God takes his hand off and he says, well, I'm going to give it to David. Just not yet. And that makes a weird situation for everybody. When you still got a king in place who's no longer out of the hand of God on him, another guy's coming who works for this guy, um, and God's timing isn't there yet. It's just a weird situation overall. But David, the next king, was working under Saul, was fighting for Saul, and Saul started to see a little bit of an impact within the community when it came to this. You see, when Saul went out to battle, he was a really good warrior. 
And when he would come back home, the people would sing songs about Saul and say, Saul has killed his hundreds of hundreds of men. And then when David was fighting with him, David, quite frankly, was better. Why? Because they had the hand of God on him. And so the songs became, Saul kills his hundreds of hundreds of men, and David kills his thousands of thousands of men. And Saul, not sitting there going, well, bad, you know, I've been mentoring the kid. I'm really happy he's on our side. We've been winning victorious battles. Says, well, that, I don't like that. They used to sing songs about me, songs about how great I am. And he started being threatened, and he became, what, angry. And as we watch the story of Saul and David play out, we watch his murderous anger continue to grow and grow into a point that he's inside him, he's throwing spears at him, eventually he's taking, chasing him out into the desert with legions behind him. But it, whether or not he killed David, to God's eyes, was not the problem. It was that murderous heart that grew into a place that put us into bondage when we're meant for freedom, put us into a place of hate when we're made for love, and put things into a really uncomfortable spot and made things where it should not be. So with this, when you look at it, he kind of blows away that how much can I get away with part. And then, I'm not sure if you notice it, but there starts to be levels. As the anger continues to grow and it impacts the way that we act, it became levels of what was going to happen. So if you're angry with your brother, you're liable to judgment. That's what it was for, for the murder. But then, whoever insults his brother would be liable to the council. And this, that's a church council to the church leadership. And... Uh, I'll tell you, when it comes to that, when I was going through this again, it's like, that that's, should be heavy on us as church leaders. Like, like uh, all of us have something inside of us that's like, well, I'd really not, rather not get, get involved. But we as church leaders should care about how we talk about each other. And that puts an extra responsibility on us on how we talk about you all. We don't. Uh, but, <laughs> Chuck. We talk about you. I know, that's what I'm saying. Read, sister. <laughs> get in the word of God. Oh, my gosh, you're liable to the council. <laughs> we represent the lollipop. Anyways, that's what came to mind. But it's, it's a middle level that I think a lot of us play with. And there's even some Marys. My wife got on me last night about something. And uh, she, she was partially right. I'm still debating if she's partially wrong or not <laughs> on how I see a couple of people and how I deal with that situation. Nobody in the church has to let you know. And... Uh, but there's this middle level where we're not like insulting people or cussing people out and whatnot, but it's almost like when you get like really, um, I don't know, you get angry enough that it starts affecting how you become passively aggressive in some areas. You know, if your wife makes you mad, uh, don't tell her. Uh, if, she, if she makes you mad like early in the day and then at night you have, let's say, a dinner party and there's some people over and you make some offhanded comment, joke thing about... Uh, her weight, and then you go, oh, no, I was just kidding. Uh, you just question your wife in front of her friends, in front of her kids, in front of the family. And, and, and you know, I mean, and, and I, I really believe good people don't intend for that to happen, but we get that anger under, under us, and then we end up trying to, it starts spilling out. Or, or um, gossip, I think, is another way that insults your brother or your sister that you're liable for. Um, prayer request gossip. I think it's the same thing as gossip, where we uh, just start talking about each other's lives. I, I have a, a um, rule of thumb that's not 100% when it comes to gossip. If, if you and I are talking about somebody's issue and neither one of us are part of the solution, we're probably gossiping. 
put, put, put you down right close to it, if not already in it. Um, go- gossip, when you're angry at somebody and you're talking and tearing them down or whatnot, can be just as abusive. And you, it's no longer just judgment, but the church should step in according to this. You're li- liable to the church. And then, then you get to the point where you're cussing somebody out. Then when you start calling somebody an idiot, then when you start going toe-to-toe with them, that one's even more fun because you're liable to the fires of hell. Do we remember that hell, hell's will? You know what I mean? And I, I, I can't say that I think Jesus is saying, okay, if you, you're saved, you're walking with me and everything else, and you mess up and you call somebody a fool or you say rocket to them, which is just an old make to them that, that pretty much means the same, um, that you lose your salvation and you're kicked to hell. I don't think he's saying that. That's not in the context of Scripture. But he sure is saying, I'm taking this serious. This means, I mean, you're dancing with the devil when you're acting like that, is what Jesus is saying. So if we get angry and we take and lose our cool and we go off on other people or we let it get to a point that we're sick and then we blow up, those type of things, Jesus is saying, this is, this is really a big topic. This is something that we should really, really take for granted. So he starts going into a couple of different kind of metaphors here or situations that we we can look at. Uh, Verse 23, he says, If you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or your sister, again, forgive me for adding that in, but I think it's in context, that your brother or your sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or your sister, and then come and offer your gift. Okay, so let that play out. You come to church, you're worshiping, we're, we're getting into the world, you kind of feel like, okay, yeah, maybe that's you know, talking about me in this area, it's talking about me in that area. And you're like, God, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I've done it again, I really need some help, and I really want to make something different. That God is saying, in the middle of that, let's call it a forgiveness a, a sacrifice, or whatever the case, maybe that offering that you're giving, and you're saying, God, I, I, I'm sorry about this, and I love you, and I worship with you. And he puts on your heart, okay, do you, do you remember this situation? You offended this person or you offended that person? Or maybe there was even just a misunderstanding and they're upset or they're hurt by this. Jesus' commandment is get up off your seat, leave this place, go deal with it. Nobody? Everybody's in a good place with everybody, huh? That's good. That, but that's just going I'm, to, I'm, yeah, Mike, Mike's pretending, but I know three people you need to go talk to. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. We'll talk after. The, uh, but that's his commandment. His commandment would be go and do what's right and then come back and worship next week. And you know what? Bring them with you. Now that you guys are in fellowship with each other again, let's go, go for unity. That, that, that's his commandment in that situation as you sit there right there in your seat. And I will not tease anybody about actually getting up and going. We'll catch the rest of The podcast is out there. Okay. Let the Holy Spirit do what he does. But that is what his commandment is. And then as he moves within this, um, I think the biggest point is, is that we're all really good at asking for forgiveness. We're not really good at dealing with the ripple effects of our sin. That's what I truly believe. I, I, I believe that we like the forgiveness, but don't deal with the ripple effects of our sin. There's another story of Saul within that. Um, Saul is king at this point. And Samuel, that's another big one within the, this uh, mix of things. Samuel is the prophet that God is speaking to through him. And there's this battle that Saul's supposed to do. And he's supposed to wait till the prophet gets there. 
And then they're going, God promised them victory, and he told them what to do. And part of that doing is destroy all the enemy's livestock. And so Samuel takes a little bit longer to get there than Saul wants. Again, this is Tom's version of it. And so Saul's like, well, we really kind of have this. God's already promised it to us. So he goes out and he does the battle anyways. They're victorious. And he looks at all the livestock and says, you know, it'd really be a waste to kill all these cows and the sheep and all that kind of stuff. And so he, he decides to take them as plunder instead. So Samuel shows up and he's like, hey, uh, what's going on? He was supposed to be waiting until I got here. He's like, well, just good news. You don't have to sweat it. I went ahead and did it. Did it and God gave us a victory and everything's good. And, and uh, Samuel's like, that's not what God said, though. Just because you thought you knew better doesn't mean that's what God said. And he says, what's going on with all the livestock? And he's like, well, I hate to be wasteful. Well, he sinned. And so Saul thought about that, and he, well, and he, he dealt with God with that. Again, Tom's version of this. And he says to Samuel, he goes, well, God's forgiven me. God's forgiven me. And Samuel says, that's great. Why do I still hear sheep? And that's what we do. We're just not always the best at going back and dealing with the things when we're integrity, when we're hungry and thirsting for righteousness, to be able to go back and deal with those things. But Samuel tells us, 15.22, if you want the reference, for Samuel 15.22, that God prefers obedience over sacrifice. That we're supposed to deal with the ripple effects. Now, if you go and talk to somebody, that's all the control you have. You don't have control to make them forgive you. You don't have control for them to sit down and work through that misunderstanding. But you do have the control to follow what God calls you to do. And that's something that as I get older, I tend to understand the complexities of more and more and more. Now, I think looking at the, in here, I think everybody has heard uh, the testimony about when I was arrested in my early 20s for stealing money from a pizza place I worked at. If not, ask me afterwards. It's not that interesting of a story, but I was an idiot. And from that, I've also shared with you that the gentleman who owns a pizza place, that's now 30-some-odd years later, uh, still wants nothing to do with Tom. I've reached out to him multiple times uh, over the years. Uh, he's a Christian. I'm a Christian. I absolutely did what I did. I absolutely am forgiven under the Lord. I've moved forward as part of my testimony. But I would love to be reconciled with my brother. He's not interested. But that's not in my control. So, uh, as a matter of fact, I saw him to Super Bowl. Sunday. It was the first time I saw him since I was arrested. Uh, picked up on a pizza for my dad and I for the Super Bowl. And either he was in a really bad mood or he happened to see and probably more than likely saw that a hypes was coming into the place. And I probably put him in a sour mood that night. It's just kind of where it still is. But that's usually why I stop at the story. But I also have another friend who was very close to me at the time who was devastated by what I did even though it didn't impact her straight personally. And we've been talking about working on that for 10 years. We've gotten our friendship back, but there's still times questions come up where she's just kind of like, I I'm still trying to make sense of this from all those years back. And we've gotten a lot of freedom with it, and I'm thankful for that. But the other day, it was about two weeks ago, I was having lunch with her, and she uh, came up and did the, what, 22nd tour of our church, and uh, we went over to BOA's. Uh, to get some food. She loved it, and she's talking about a friend. I'm going to call her Betty at this point. Th this friend's Betty. Uh, they, my best friend since fifth grade has been Matt Miller. Her best friend since she was in elementary is this Betty. And Betty walked with me at the pizza place, and Betty and I were close friends the whole nine years. I haven't seen her for 30, you know, some odd years. And she was like, I, I need to bring Betty up here. And I said, well, if you do, give me a call if you want. I'd love to have lunch with you guys and see Betty. And then my friend just kind of got quiet for a second. I said, ah, oh, Unless if Betty doesn't want to see me. 
Alyssa, Betty still is processing things. I, I get that. So if she ever needs anything and wants to talk about things, if you guys just want to come to lunch and she's not at that point, I get that. And she still doesn't say anything, and I know this friend well enough to know. I've got ripple effects that I'm still dealing with and will probably deal with for the rest of my life. But that's what we do if we're hungry and thirsting for righteousness is moving forward in ways that make a difference. Here, let's go to 25. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge hands you over to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you would never get out until you paid the last penny. Now in this example, he gives us a financial uh, example. I do believe what he's trying to teach us deals with more than finances, but it's easy to see within finances, um, where it's a matter of when you're in a situation, step in and do something about it. Don't just let it keep rolling. I have met people in my life, and I, and I understand what, what it's like to struggle financially, struggle with credit, uh, be in a bad shape, having tax, uh, tax collectors, whether they be credit collectors or whatever, giving you a call all, all the time. You got four or five different ones. They're, they're sharp with you. They're, they can be mean, whatever the case may be. And it's a really frustrating place to be in. It really is. And, but I've had people come to me and say, I get so angry with them calling me. Why can't they leave me alone because you took their money. They don't care about you if you didn't take their money. You put yourself into a situation or life put you in a situation. And the best thing to do is not block them and not answer their calls, but to come up with some plan to start moving forward. Maybe you can't afford the $120 minimum monthly payment that you've racked up now, but you can do 20 then that's something that you work with them on. You get somebody that helps you work with that on. You work the situation because the longer you ignore it, the worse it's going to get, and it will eventually bite you in the backside. It really will. And that, that's what he's talking about here. The more you let it go, the worse that's going to continue to get. Um, we worked with a fan a long oh, this is, I'm going back a long time, so don't try to figure out who it is. Um, you'll never get it. The... Um, Family really struggled with utilities and rent and, and finances, and uh, the mom was a stay-at-home mom, and the, the husband worked, and he worked hard, but he, it wasn't a high-paying job in any way, shape, or form. And they, they struggled a lot with different things, and I remember their utilities got into a really bad place, and we worked with them and helped them get their, all that caught up, uh, working with the different agencies and different things that, tools that we have. And then uh, within six months, everything was being shut off again. And we, we talked about it, and we were like, okay, let's come up with a plan budgeting-wise, or let's get, get an advisor that worked with you or whatnot. And they didn't, they didn't want anything to do with any of that, uh, so they got angry. And the uh, anger became, she said at one point, look, I know they're turning off the gas, but that's just the price we pay for me being a missionary by being home with my kids. I don't need gas. I'm a missionary for, for the Lord. Like, like she was being murdered for that. Um, missionaries don't take six months of gas and then decide they're missionaries. You tell a gas company up front, I don't want gas. Now, I don't know how somebody does that. I'm big wuss. I'm not the little house on the prairie. I need my propane gas. But, but it, 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 it became kind of a self-righteous anger situation where you took the product. This is something we're responsible for. We as Christians should be the most responsible people on this earth. That doesn't mean that we don't have problems and struggles. I've been through a bankruptcy myself, but we work it. We step into those things when we look at it from a financial standpoint. Um, I used to watch Judge Duty, now I like Hot Bench. Let's do a poll. 
Who likes Judge Judy over Hot Bench? Okay, she doesn't have a lot of support here. Uh, you guys have never heard of Hot Bench? Then the Lord says, get up, leave this place now. Watch Hot Bench. I've got this little 19-inch or whatever that is, I guess it's 30-inch, TV in my office. We will gather around that together. I've got some taped. Don't know what Hot Bench is. But you know what I mean with these judge shows and whatnot. How many families are ripped apart? How many friendships are destroyed over a thousand bucks? You know, if they just sat down and talked about it, if they just worked it through, if everybody was just being integrity to work those things out before that kind of damage happens, we lie to ourselves and then we get upset instead of being integrity and step in to fix it. Um, now, I know that that can be overwhelming because that does take some, some time to conflict or confrontation. Uh, I'm a person, I hate confrontation until I'm in it. That's just my personality. Somebody says I need to talk to you Tuesday night, then I'm going to be spending the next two days trying to figure out what it is and all the case scenarios and how it goes. So once I'm in it, I'm fine. But co confrontation is part of our life. We just have to, to kind of acknowledge that and move into it uh, if we're going to have that kind of integrity. I was, uh, I guess, tired of stories yet? I, was, I had a job uh, before the Shepherd's Fellowship. When I first came to Marion, I quit the Tux company and started working 10 hours a week as a youth pastor. And, took this insurance job to kind of just pay the bills for the first year uh, until I married Jenny and let her salary cover me. The, uh, <laughs> kinda, kinda, it's a little bit more reverse now, but it's kinda. Uh, and the boss I had, his name was Michael. I, I, I was in a department, and there was two departments. One had 99 people and my department had me. It was just like one person doing electronic billing. And my boss, man, he was a jerk. I couldn't stand the guy. I'm just, it, was, it was one of the most horrendous seasons I've went through. That just, I hated going to work. And after about three months, I remember going to him and uh, saying, hey, I really need to talk to you today. And he's like, I don't have time for anything today. I said, well, I'm not going home until you and I talk. And he's like, yeah, whatever. He's like, kind of rolled his eyes. So I finished up my day, and I sat in my office for an extra hour after I was done. And he comes walking by. He's like, what are you still doing here? I told you I'm not leaving until we talk. And so he sat down, and um, I do this. I don't know if this will ever happen to you. When, I, when I'm, like, nervous about what I'm going to have to say, sometimes I'll give somebody a pad of paper and pen and say, hey, look, I've been retorting this in my head for the last two weeks, and I really don't need you to interrupt. <laughs> so if you would, just take his pad and pen and write down anything you have questions about or anything you disagree with or whatever, and I'll give you all the time in the world afterwards. But just let me get this out, and I explained to him the situation, and I, t I told him at the end, I said, I've never, ever left a job without notice. I said, but if we can't figure this out today, I'm not coming back tomorrow. I don't deserve this. And uh, so he sat there, and when I was done, and I said, your turn. He said, well, that's a lot. He goes, you mind if I take a walk? I said, sure. So he walks around for 10 minutes. And he comes back, and uh, he sits down and goes, listen, um, there's a boss above me, and there's a boss above him. And this company was not a professional company. And uh, he said, you're right. I've been letting it slide downhill. They've just been making my life miserable. I've been making your life miserable. It's not right, and he apologized. Now, usually there's more conversation than that because maybe I didn't see the full perspective or whatever. Um, but in that moment, Michael and I became friends. And uh, I'm still friends with him 20 years later on, on Facebook. He was at my wedding. We would get lunch together, hung out all the time. It was a night and day situation that we had to step into before it continued to grow. But it does take some conflict and it does take some confrontation. And I know that can be scary, but the option is either um, blowing up on other people or you having migraines and 
physical effects from anger that's bottled up. I mean, it, it's, it's the healthy way to move forward. So with that, I, I wrote down uh, some, some points. If you're dealing with anger, for whatever reason, or somebody around you is dealing with anger, and I'm going to kind of go through these some, somewhat faster, because um, my points deserve less than what the scripture does anyways. But um, Chuck and I have joked about that law sermons have three points. Uh, I have nine. So you're getting three sermons for the price of one today. With Lisa's help, by the way, Lisa, this is her second week back there. She's learning the easy worship. Last week we had a real small chair. She couldn't see anything on the stage. Now we have a big one I can barely see over your nose. Such a dainty lady. Such a dainty, dainty. Now you're hiding. That's like a rabbit back there now. With the help, we'll put these up on the screen. I'll just talk a couple seconds about each one. Uh, the first one I'll give you, especially if you're a note taker there, is uh, identify the sources of your anger. If you feel like you have some anger issues, make sure you identify the sources of anger. This is just like anything else. If you um, have an addiction to alcohol, first step is what? Admitting you have an addiction to alcohol. If you have an addiction to a drug, first step is always admitting the addiction. So if you know that you have an anger issue and you know what some of those triggers are, then you can start working it. Then you can start putting some boundaries in place to be able to be a little bit um, more protected when it comes to anger. And, that, that, and realistically, when you do that, you start controlling the anger instead of letting the anger control you. It's a first step. Second one is this, then admit the, the problem. Admit that you have an anger problem. Uh, admit that to yourself. Admit that to God. Uh, too many people are smiling. I think you're all thinking that somebody beside you has anger issues and you're like, that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, but admit, admit it to God. Talk to him about it. He's there for a reason. He wants to hear about that. He wants to hear about what, you, what you're doing. And then also admit it to other people that you need in your life that will hold you accountable. That will hold you accountable. Now, that's not saying those people to manage you. That's for them to hold you accountable. Uh, there is a difference. Uh, one of my uh, buttons I've been working on now for 30 years, and really I've seen some progress on, thanks to, thanks to God and the, wife and my, the patience of my wife, um, but I tend to, if I'm working on a project, which I can't right now think of anything that I'm good at project-wise, but like working on a car, like that's going to happen. Uh, and I think of that because my, my, I, I think I got uh, some of this from my dad when he was in his younger days. If, if my dad was working on a car, sorry, Dad, I had to throw you under the bus instead of me. Um, he's fine working on that car. It's, it, everything's great. If he has a buddy or somebody that he's asked to help him work in that car, maybe have some expertise or whatnot, he's fine working with that buddy. But in the earlier days, when I was younger, I remember that if one of us kids <laughs> uh, sat there and was like, well, did you try this or try this? And mom's like, do you try this or try this or somebody else? It's, yes, see, motherfucker, and like slamming tools down and everything. That there's something about getting help when you don't think you need help at that moment that I find frustrating. And, the, and, um, and, the, and that plays out in different ways. And I remember when I was married to uh, Brian's mom, um, my solution for that was telling her that I had that weakness. And so whenever I'm upset or I'm mumbling on my breath or I'm slamming tools or whatever, just walk away. Just walk away. And we were, uh, for some reason, we got on the topic of waterbeds last night. My daughter says she really wants a waterbed. 1976. But we had a waterbed, and uh, we'll run the hose up the steps and stuff. And you know when you have to get the hose to connect to the faucet? I'd rather work on a car. That, that just, 
That, I think they set that up for failure. And so is Roger's brain, and I get in the bathroom, and she's like, Roger, you try this, and you try this. And so I used to get upset, and she goes in the, the living room and starts crying and stuff. And me, in my infinite wisdom of the age of 26, was going, I don't know why you're upset. I told you when I get like this, walk away. It's your fault for staying around. It's not her fault to manage me. If I love somebody, it is my responsibility to manage myself so that I'm treating them in a loving way. So find an accountability partner, but don't tell other people to be responsible for your anger. You're a big boy, you're a big girl, that's your responsibility. So number three is this, learn self-control. Learn self-control. That comes first when you're growing spiritually. When you become more like Jesus, you get more control over your anger, period. It's an equation, it happens. You grow spiritually, be in prayer, be in the scripture, be in community. Two, learn how to slow down your reaction. That's another one I struggle with, and I have not gotten as much victory in that area as I have the other. I show things on my face. In the very moment I feel it, I show things on my face. Um, and my hot button is integrity issues. If you say you're going to do something and then you don't, uh, that drives me nuts. If you come and say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't do such and such because I... Keep your word, even when it hurts. That's what Pop Hope says. That's what Tom says. Go do it. I don't know, for some reason it just shows my face, no matter what I say. So I'm working on slowing down my reaction, because if I can slow my reaction, then I slow down the face. I'm not working on slowing down my face. I'm working on my anger. And avoid an angry mindset. Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. If I'm following that command, my anger is not so much an issue. And then communicate to the right people in the right way. If you need help with self-control, come talk to me. I'd love to, talk, to help you any way we can. A lot of times I end up being the first step to help you with some better resources. But I love being the first step if you need it. If you don't, Dan Ward's office, Katie works over at Dan Ward's office. I've not had a single person I'll refer to the, any other counselors and had any complaint afterwards. Get counseling, get help, stop doing the pie thing. Four, focus on humility, focus on confession, focus on forgiveness. The main reason you get angry is because people uh, are stopping you from having something happen the way you think it should happen. We all have this great, great um, talent of thinking that things should be done the right way and my way is the right way. There's over a billion people on this earth, and every single one of us is right. That's what we think. It's my way, and you're not doing it my way, and so now I'm angry. So we have to be able to realize that from a humility standpoint that you are not always right. And it shouldn't always be your way. When you mess up, call it out and deal with it. Confess to people. Your greatest testimony is when you go to somebody else. Now, don't go mess up just so you can do this. But when you do mess up, because you will, Go back to somebody and say, you know what, as a, as a Christian, as a friend, I should never have done that. I'm so sorry. It's amazing the testimonies that come out of that moment when people see that you actually go back and step into it. Don't hide behind the anger and get and give forgiveness. Make sure you get both of those, get and give forgiveness. Number five, for those keeping count, we're more than halfway through. Find healthy ways to express your anger. Find healthy ways to express your anger. Learn how to talk in a loving way. And if you're not at the point of talking yet, learn how to take and work it out in other ways. Journaling is awesome. Journaling is awesome. Men, journaling is awesome. 
getting things out on paper. Talking to somebody else that's a Christian friend that has wisdom is a great way to work out. Go and punch a punching bag for an hour and a half if you have to. Sounds like a lot of work to me, but do it. That's what it takes to work it out so that you're at a point that you can sit and talk and get some of that emotion worked out. Number six, if another is involved, deal with it now. Deal with it now. Don't, again, just like we talked about here, it's just going to continue to be a repeating situation that's getting worse and worse. Because when there is no talk, um, there's, an, it's an, there's always filled, that space is always filled with negativity. We always assume the worst. If, if, Brian, if I send her a text and she doesn't take and send something back to me for a week, I'm like, man, what do I do to make Mary, kidding, Nicole, mad at me? Well, I think I now know. But it could be that she was just busy at work. We always fill it in with the negative. We don't necessarily put it in with the positive. That's a normal thing. So remember, uh, if there's something there, and, and Nicole, I apologize. I'm stopping. I'll stop service right now. You sure? I see you journaling. <laughs> Number seven, build a healthy image of yourself. We're not supposed to be cocky, but we're all supposed to be confident. And if we're confident in the Lord, a lot of this pettiness stuff goes away. A lot of this pettiness stuff goes away. Um, I wrote down one example I'll give to you. Did anybody see the movie 42, the Jackie Robinson story? Okay, Trey has seen a few of us. Seen. Really watch that movie. It's an older one now. It's real easy to get. Um, but it's a Jackie Robinson story, the first African-American man playing baseball and, uh, in the, the major leagues and what all he went through, and it's just atrocious, the things that he had to go through. But at the beginning of it, the, the coach said to him, look, if you're taking this role, I need somebody who can stand there and take somebody spitting in their face. And he's like, so you're looking for a coward? He's like, no, I'm looking for someone who can prove the right points on the field and not sit there and have to try to fight every little battle in front of them. And when they go through um, these things, and his wife's talking to him, and she's worried about him, he says, I know who I am, and they can't take that away from me. And we need to feel the same way in Christ. We need to be confident, not cocky. I was uh, in the IMA meeting the other night. Again, that's the Minnesota Association. It's mostly African-American uh, churches. And uh, there's a lady there. Her name's Mother McGeary, and she's one of my favorite people in this world. One of my favorite people. Which, uh, I think she says she's turning 87 next week. Um, and she doesn't say a lot. And if she does, she's probably, I mean, you guys think I do zingers. This girl takes me down all the time. And I'm just sitting there like, Ugh. you don't, hey, stop it. <laughs> How much are you paying her? Uh, but she got on this kick. And I really hope you guys meet Mother McGeary soon. We've talked about her coming and speaking here. Um, she got on this thing, man. They, they, they had lost a, a friend. Uh, who passed away last week and was talking about her life and her testimony and how everything fell apart. She came back to the Lord. She says, the only thing I can do now is just live for the Lord and how she's lived for the Lord. And Mother McGeary, she gets worked up. She gets worked up. I mean, she just gets flying. And she's talking about, I don't care what anybody says about me. I know who I am with the Lord, and I follow the Lord, and I'm going to follow the Lord till I go to heaven, and I'm going to see her again. She, she's just going off, and you're just sitting there going, amen, sister. I mean, it's just go, you're waiting for the keyboards to come in and the drums. It's just this passionate talk. And, and, and I told Jenny, it's, there's something about, like with Mother McGeary, she focuses on the basics, her salvation. She really, she focuses there. She's probably never going to give you a talk about dealing with the anger. She focuses on salvation. But it's everything to her like it should be everything to us. Just everything to her. And I, I, I love seeing that. No, she's such an encouraging woman. Okay, number eight, get help. There's a period after that, by the way. 
get help. Again, come to me. Dan Ward's office is a possibility. Uh, if you haven't been able to do it on your own so far, what that makes you think you can do it now? There's all kinds of tools that, that can help with this. And number nine, trust God. Trust God. Again, our main reason is well, I'm not getting what I want. So if I want what God wants, then I can trust God to take care of it. And my anger level goes way down. If my agenda is what God wants, and I can trust that, then my agenda I, uh, or my anger can go way, way down. Can you imagine the release if you can let go of your anger at that level in those situations and just say, God's got this. It's such a cliche thing that we say, but it's such a powerful truth. God's got this. It doesn't have to be my way. I might not be right. God's probably smarter on this one than I am. And the release and the power that should be there. That's the passion behind the law. That's what he means when he says not motor, is we don't need to be angry. Not unrighteous anger. There's enough righteous anger out there to draw us close to the Lord. We don't need to dibble on all this other junk that ties us up. He wants freedom for you. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500. Or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion, Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.